0: The Ortho-PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho-PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome today, Dr. Matthew Hannibal. Dr. Hannibal is a board-certified orthopedic spine surgeon and is going to discuss axial low back pain. Good morning, Dr. Hannibal, and thanks for being here today.
1: Good morning. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Dr. Hannibal, I wanted to discuss issues related to axial low back pain and treatment options for a variety of diagnoses. Being employed primarily in an urgent care, a walk-in clinic, and as a contact point for other primary care providers, uh, there are a lot of people with lower back pain, as you well know, and there are many different causes, and I was hoping to chat with you about some of those uh, diagnoses, uh, workups and treatments, whether or not they need surgery. How would you define the difference between acute and chronic low back pain?
1: I define it as as a matter of time, right? Generally, they consider acute back pain less than six months and chronic greater than six months. Several experts coming to a generalized opinion on that. There's no particular reason why we we assume that. Most of what you're seeing in urgent care, obviously, is going to be acute low back pain, but there are plenty of people where we would consider chronic low back pain within exacerbation, right? They have a lower level of low back pain that seems to have worsened recently. It's probably best to define where low back pain fits because you are seeing it in the urgent care. And obviously I'm a surgeon who's talking about it, but uh, where back pain fits in the algorithm of spine care can be very difficult because in spine care, we have lots of different providers from physical therapists, to chiropractors, neurologists, rehab medicine, anesthesiologists, radiologists, and then you get to orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons, where back pain fits in, in that a cascade of, of spine care is sometimes difficult to identify. As a surgeon, although I see plenty of low back pain, it's, it's very little of what I treat. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and give some guidance as to uh, where I fit into that, but my perspective is probably going to be much different than many other people's.
0: Sure. I appreciate that distinction, and that's helpful for our audience as well. If somebody comes in with lower back pain, how do you know if it's discogenic or muscular or ligamentous? What kinds of things would you look for? History, exam, that sort of thing.
1: I would say in an acute care setting, that almost matters not at all. You're not looking for that diagnosis. I had 25 years of experience in spine surgery, and I have not found any single individual who could figure that out as to what's causing somebody's low back pain. Frequently, you get low back pain. You have MRIs that show no changes. There are lots of people walking around who have no back pain with terrible looking MRIs there's not really been a very good way to determine what type of pain or what the pain generator necessarily is. What I would say, if you're in an urgent care setting and that's, that's your perspective and that's what you want to know, what you're really looking for are what are the really bad things? Do these people have a fracture, a tumor, an infection? Because those are the types of back pains that are more acute. We're not talking about ridiculous pain. Do they have neurologic loss? Are they myelopathic? Right. We're just talking about axial low back pain. That's correct. And so when you're talking about that, the vast majority of those are going to be benign, regardless of their cause. It's almost like asking, where did I get the flu? It doesn't matter where you got the flu. Most likely it is benign and most likely you're going to get over it. Most of it is supportive care. You know, those types of questions are are probably not appropriate for an urgent care other than to provide supportive care. If there is concern, if you have an elderly person who's had a, you know even a ground height fall and you're concerned for a compression fracture, uh, x-rays were certainly appropriate. Um, kids, anybody with fever, sweats, chills, those types of, of symptoms become important to ask about. Beyond that, if it's, listen, my back hurts. It just started this morning. I bend over, pick something up and it hurts. Supportive care is all that's really required.
0: I'm glad you are discussing this. When I was researching this topic, I had difficulty writing this because there was so much, I don't know, just back and forth from the AAOS, which is one of my main sources that I research when I do these. And the same kind of thing, you know, you just don't know. Nobody can really understand whether this is discogenic or whatnot and how do you treat it. And that's why there was some controversy. Let's say we have a patient with lower back pain with degenerative disc or spinal stenosis, facet arthropathy, spondylolisthesis, and and I'm going through a a long list, I know. But if you have those kinds of diagnoses or you see some of that on the x-ray, how do you work it up and how do you manage it?
1: Those diagnoses are much different, obviously. So what you have to be aware of is, again, we're talking about somebody who has axial back pain. So if they have, and you use the word degenerative disc disease, and I can tell you right now, that although that is still pervasive in spine care throughout that that cascade I discussed, a lot of people use that term, that term has really fallen by the wayside, especially in research, because we don't know what that means. In other words, even from one spine surgeon to another or one provider to another, what does that mean exactly? It's a poorly defined term. And so you know, Because it, it relates to a disease, right? It's degenerative disc disease. Mm-hmm. And lots of orthopedic spine surgeons use it. I personally do not. Most of them are, are older. I think the younger group has, has tried to get away from that. And pro- one of the problems is it's still a code. And as long as it's a code that can be reimbursed, people will continue to use the term. And that's what's made it more pervasive and, and has continued its existence. The reality is that changes on an MRI have not been well correlated to symptoms. Uh, annular tears, disc bulges, arthropathies those things uh, are common in asymptomatic individuals. And so, usually, when I refer to that, I say you've got an age related change. I don't use the word degenerative and I don't use the word disease because we don't have any evidence that it is either of those things. And so, uh, I often tell patients you know, if you have an MRI or you have an X ray with a narrowed L5S1 disc, guess what? 80%. Forty-year-olds are going to have a narrow del 5s disc on an X-ray, regardless of symptoms. It's more age-related because it's like wrinkles on faces. We see those on MRI, we see those on X-ray. They're not pathologic. It just means you're older than forty. Those types of findings, I, I would say, are are not. If, if you're going to try to associate their back pain with that finding, you know, you're doing the patient a disservice in many cases. However, central spinal stenosis is a completely different animal, and and. We're not treating spinal stenosis for axial low back pain or axial low back pain with spinal stenosis. You're not treating the spinal stenosis unless they have neurogenic That's a completely different symptom. Or spondylolisthesis. That's another diagnosis. Uh, usually it's for radicular symptoms. That's why you're treating it. If they have only axial low back pain, it's rare that you can treat it. Lots of people have an ismic spondylolisthesis. They never know they had. You'll pick it up incidentally on x-ray and they've probably had it for years. So... Uh, you really have to be careful about correlation between symptoms and findings.
0: That's great information. I like the, the term age-related changes. I think I might incorporate that myself now. I like it a lot better. It, it does always seem to sound odd to call, you know, the disease, degenerative disc disease. Okay, so let's say that we have someone with some age-related changes on their x-ray and they're complaining of actual low back pain. Uh, What's your approach? Uh, after you hit the x-rays, um, PT? Do you get scans? Do you ESIs? Or do you just try to tell them to you know, take ibuprofen and give it time and it'll get better?
1: Well, obviously, if it's an acute back pain episode, that's usually what it is. It's anti-inflammatories. Now, again, and this brings up a completely different topic. In that algorithm of, of treatment of axial low back pain, the spine world has been very poorly coordinated. If the The algorithm is, oh, this patient has low back pain, and they're seeing me, an orthopedic spine surgeon. Then again, I think you've done the patient a disservice. That is a huge waste of medical dollars because that's not primarily what I do. That's like a primary care, right? You don't need a surgeon to do what you're going to do for low back pain, which is treat with some anti-inflammatories, maybe a steroid pack. You're going to give them, you know, physical therapy. You want to make sure they have six weeks of that. You're going to teach them appropriate back mechanics. You know, tell them, uh, you know, avoid certain activities uh, such as bending, stooping, lifting for a little while until they start to feel better. You don't want to recommend bed rest. Icing is always good. You might send them for an injection if they're not responding to those other things, Uh, have them seen by a rehab specialist. If they're going through that whole primary care treatment of, of back pain, and really the algorithm is, listen, you've got two weeks of back pain, you need to see a surgeon, your medical resources are being very poorly utilized in that situation. Uh, Unfortunately, um, a lot of spine surgeons, we have a lot of them in this country, they're highly utilized for things just like that. And of course, they get paid to do so. So there's a huge incentive for that as well, uh, which allows that to continue to happen. But in reality, uh, if you wanted uh, healthcare costs to go down, which we all should, it wouldn't be utilized in that way. But that's the primary treatment, is, is primary care supportive treatment, like you mentioned.
0: This is great information. I, I hope everyone's hearing this and listening to this. Know what to treat and when to refer. Art Hannibal, any other thoughts? Uh, anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Anything you see that you get referrals or anything you haven't talked about that uh, you'd like to pass along?
1: Yeah, I I can just sum up a few things that I think are really important. And one is when we talk about axial low back pain, we really have to look for the bad things, which are extraordinarily rare. I mean, you have to look for the zebras, uh, like the infection, the fractures, and the tumors, uh, and just ask the appropriate questions. But if they don't have red flags, treatment of back pain, especially acute or, or an exacerbation of a chronic intermittent back pain, is very, very easy. It really does not require... Much in the way of of assessment beyond that. And you know using anti-inflammatories, trying physical therapy and uh, possibly trying an injection uh, are all appropriate treatments before they would see a, a surgeon. And a lot of primary cares will say, well, uh, I, I can't get an MRI, so you've had back pain and you need to go get that MRI." understand I can't order an MRI any sooner than a primary care doctor can. Uh, If they haven't exhausted six weeks of conservative treatment and don't have red flags, I can't order the MRI either, nor would I. In fact, x-rays officially, according to studies, haven't even been determined to be necessary in the evaluation of low back pain, uh, at least acute low back pain, uh, unless they've had a fall or it's an older lady or worried about a compression fracture. But in most patients, it's not necessary. So it's very, very easy. It's just simple medications, physical therapy, some lifestyle modifications for a while. If it continues past six weeks, MRI, maybe an injection. They should have certainly exhausted all of that before you even consider sending them for a surgical opinion. The second thing is, again, very important to make sure you understand how we are utilizing medical dollars. When you look at all the waste we have in our medical system, especially, you know, we point fingers at hospitals and how expensive they are. We point fingers at uh, certainly pharmaceutical industry and how much profit they make and, and industry in general. When it comes to spine care, when it comes to back pain care, the finger really points directly at us as providers. You know, it's a billion dollar industry. It's the it's second most common reason people come to the doctor, second only to the flu. And yet how many people get high level referrals for that condition. It's almost like saying, listen, you have a cold, I'm gonna send you to a a pulmonary thoracic surgeon. Why? You know, that's a huge waste of resources. So it's one of those things where we need to do better as providers to really coordinate our care with this. Uh, And so far we've been so fragmented, it's been very difficult to do. Uh, that's, That's another one. And the third one is, you know, we talked about what our surgical indications and, and most of that rotates around what you're looking for is neurologic symptoms. And so people say, well, you have leg pain. Well, leg pain can come from a lot of sources. So it really helps to look at the physical exam and are you, are you having weakness? Is it is it just numbness? Really look at the physical exam. Do they have tension signs? And if you're concerned to go get the MRI and make sure you coordinate that. Because one of the things that happens is, well, I think... You have leg pain, I think it's spine-related, although it could be vascular, it could be neurologic. There are many etiologies for those symptoms. It could be just something else altogether. And one thing we don't have in medicine is the feedback that we need. In other words, it goes from one provider to the next, to the next, and urgent care unfortunately ends up in that category where they don't get a lot of follow-up on the things they recommend. And so it's always good, I think, to look at what you're seeing and what you're treating and making sure that your thoughts on what that diagnosis was is accurate. Because if you don't get the feedback, you really don't learn anything. You just learn that, well, if you have back pain, you go to ortho, or if you've got leg pain, maybe you need surgery. When you know, a lot of times I'll see MRIs that are completely normal, and then be talking to the patient off the ledge that really, it's not the spine, it might be something else we're going to have to get you to somebody that matters. On the other side of that coin is the ones where they're coming in with balance disorders or they're serv- they have myelopathy. So it's important to examine the patient and, and make sure that they're not having any of these red flags. And if they do, getting the appropriate study, which is usually an MRI. MRIs can tell a lot. If they don't have red flags, you can wait six weeks before you order it. If they do have red flags, usually if you document that, you can get the MRI right away. So I think that that's the important thing to realize is that how you dispense that resource is going to change how you see those patients and making sure you get the feedback so you know, okay, next time I see this, I'll recognize it for, for what it is.
0: Dr. Hannibal, thank you so much for your time, and we'll have this out for you soon.
1: Okay, have a great day.
0: Thank you for joining the Ortho PAC podcast. Extremities in the Carolinas, Trauma for General Orthopedics, May 21st and 22nd, 2021. Check out the paos.org website for details.